This is Carol Ann. And this is Kelly. And this is Making Space, episode two. And we just wanted to thank everybody for listening last time and all the positive feedback. It was all warm and fuzzy. I felt really good. Um, today we wanted to talk to you about who we are as people and, and why this is important to us. So Kelly, I'm going to let you jump in because you know who you are. Because I know who I am? Well, I like to think I know who I am. I was just explaining to you how I'm not so sure I'm a great person anymore, but... You know, we'll figure it out. Um, So I'm Kelly. I am a mom, a wife, and a friend, and a fitness instructor, and a martial artist, and a trained listener, I guess. So that's like all-encompassing trainings that I've had. It's not necessarily a complete definition of who I am, but I've found myself in all of those places. So you know, delving into those different things, you eventually find the puzzle that is me. And I've been chewing on this question all weekend because we talked about this last week of who we are. And I, I came up with a profound, a me. And that me has changed every day. And I'm still searching for that me. And with the help of friends and family, I, I figure out more and more who that me is the older I get. But I'm really working on being okay with who that me is. And and um, not wearing the mask to be a different person with every different experience and different position I'm in and just being okay being who I am. Mm-hmm. Is it hard? Some days it's really hard to be me. <laughs> Some, days. Some days it's fun. Some days it's hard to be me too. Um, outside of that, I am a wife, mom, and I work for a local church. And that's me today. I like it. Tell me about the mom part. How long have you been a mom? How, I have been a mom almost 12 years. Wow. And my daughter is a black belt in karate, which is how I met Kelly. <gasps> the secret's out. The secret is out. <laughs> Kelly is an awesome instructor. Well, and I love your daughter. She's great. She just makes me happy every time I see her. She's <laughs> one of those kids who really gets it, and yet she doesn't have any real ego about it, and I love that. Yeah, and it's interesting that you talked about finding yourself in things. And I think karate is one of those areas where she's been able to find herself in an activity mm-hmm. um, that has been so unique for her. There's not a family history of karate. We don't have anybody else in our family doing any kind of martial art. It's just what she wanted to do, and she's been very successful, and, and it's become who, part of who she is. Yeah. Martial arts, for me, the infatuation started with it, with um, the Karate Kid in 1985, 84, 85. It wasn't just like the movie, but it was the relationship between Sensei and Danny. Like that was a big deal. Like that mentor-mentee relationship, I saw it and I liked it. And there was a Kung Fu studio, I don't know what they call it, Um, next door to the place where I always got frozen yogurt as a kid and I would watch. I, like my brothers would be in the frozen yogurt shop having, you know, they'd be sitting with my parents and I'd be like outside looking through the window, eating the ice cream. And I was just like, just, it made me so excited to like watch other girls were like watching ballet or doing ballet. And I was like, this is what I want to do. But I was really afraid to say it out loud, like, cause There weren't very many girls doing martial arts when I was growing up. The only person I knew 
was my best friend's cousin. And she was also like a cheerleader. And I thought there had to be, and I wasn't very athletic then. So I thought there had to be some kind of athleticism involved. And I'm like, eh, no, no. I waited quite a while. And now? <laughs> now I'm a second degree black belt in Shuren Rumar, uh karate. So. And an instructor. And I teach. And yeah. it's great. But I didn't start it until myself until I was like 36. Wow. And how has doing that and being involved in that changed your life as an adult? Uh, as an adult, it's shifted my belief systems about like where moms should be. Oh, tell me more. So like should mom, shouldn't moms be at the dinner table? Shouldn't moms be making dinner? That all changed when I started taking the classes because the classes were in that after schoolish dinnerish time it took a lot of people to watch my children to be able to like get into that space where i could go without feeling the mom guilt i'm abandoning my family because hmm. sometimes having real time for what you want to do for yourself isn't convenient and i think that that claiming of that time well, I never got any pushback from it from any of my family. My family realized how much I loved it and how much I wanted to do it from the moment I told people I need help getting to this point. It was from white belt on, it's been probably like the biggest dream come true of my life every single class. So you had to make space for yourself and then your family had to make space for you to do this journey. Mm-hmm. Making space, you know, I, I think of it so often as in conversation and relationships, but it's also in life of having to have the the freedom to move and to do what you need to do um, to be who you are. Mm -hmm. Like it had to be, my ability to give this gift to myself was more than just me asking my husband if we had the finances to do it. It was like, are you, am I willing to like race the kids up from their karate class, well, from his karate class, because my son Jack took karate before I did, to my mom's to come back to have my husband pick the kids up at my mom's house on the way home from work to make them dinner, or my mom would feed everybody. And like, you know, there was just like all these logistical things. It takes a lot to replace a mother. It does. Even temporarily. It does. <laughs> you know, chauffeur, cook. Child care in general, diaper changer. And it wasn't convenient for my mom at the time either. My, my uncle was living at her house with my grandma because he had cancer. But she always says that my kids were like a real blessing to him during those times. And I saw that too because I was over there during times when I wasn't at the dojo, right? Yeah. But um, having made the room for the kids to be involved, you know, brought the joy up in that household when it could have been really, really sad. And even though it was pretty sad, it had a lift to it because those kids were there. So, Yeah, I think back to my own journey of going back to work after being home all the time and how much I realized how much it changed the rhythm of life. Mm -hmm. Of we had our routines and then all of a sudden mom was working and I wasn't there when everybody expected me to be where or have everything done at the expected time that everything had normally been done. Right. And not that it was a, some extreme expectation. It was just that it was the rhythm. And that rhythm got disruptive because I went back to work. And and finding that and having the grace to say, okay, for me having the fortitude to say, 
I need some things to shift and to ask for what I needed because that's not always easy. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's funny how it's like the rhythms change over time. Like with the pandemic and the kids being home during the day. And my role at the dojo has changed now. Now I'm an educator there. And that role is compensated instead of me paying for it, right? It becomes important in a different way. And because I can take that role on during those times when I used to be busy, but now I'm still busy, I'm getting paid for it. It has an increased importance to my family members, even more than it had before. And I don't have to like do as much outside work on top of it because I'm, there's no time to do the other things that moms are supposed to do. If I'm not going to be home to make the meals, if I'm not going to be home to do that part, I want to have time at home to do the other things that moms do because that's my heart, right? So I have to show my heart to my family some way. Yeah. So I don't feel the need to take on other defining roles in an employment type position. So what you're basically saying is the pandemic shifted everything. It has. It's <laughs> it's wrecked it in some of the best possible ways. Yeah. But, you know, it's made it okay in other ways too. Like there's good and bad that have come from it. And I know that some people have just had horrible experiences. And I feel really bad for people. And I have a lot of empathy for that. But, yeah, pandemic, boy. Can't wait till my kids can go to school. Yeah. It's been hard for a lot of families, hard for a lot of moms. I remember somebody telling me that, you know, this was a a great time for introverts because you could stay home and be alone. And I was like, unless you have kids and then they're with you and therefore you're not alone. Right. Um, Well, and you're an introvert and your daughter's an introvert, but your daughter requires a lot of like kind of emotional support from you. So that means that you're, she's, you and she don't get to be introverts at the same time. Right. Never. Never. (laughs) I'm looking forward to alone mommy time once things shift. And now that she's back in school, it is getting... I'm finding new rhythms and um, figuring out how things work. My younger son requires a lot of emotional support, too. You're not alone (laughs) in that, but (laughs) it's... Yeah, the rhythm is, is like we have to be ultimately flexible. Yeah. And for moms, I feel like that's not new. No. We have this skill set already, but we're having to change faster. Yeah. There's new demands. Yeah. Yeah. So your work, work. Yes. The employment type work is at a church. Yes. What do you do there? I am the resource coordinator, which means I read a lot of books. She does read a lot of books. That's that's what I do. Um, But I do resources for the church podcasts and Bible studies and um, a recommended reading list every year. So it's it's really fun. That's a really cool coordinator. Then I get to do book clubs and discussion groups on that too. So it's I talk about books a lot. You do. I'm always inspired by your book topics too. (laughs) Because you have it's not just like Tim Keller. It's not just like religious directions all the time there's like external influence books that are brought into the situation for good and bad from what I've heard but you know I'm like so multi-directional in my reading that it's like oh I can't wait to stop doing this training so I can do you know be in Carol Ann's recommended book list and really my books um, mirror my relationships I like to have 
a really varied influence of topics, of authors, of genres, of of people speaking into my life um, through books and in relationships because that's the way I learn. Mm-hmm. I take what I read and I take people that I interact with and see what I can learn and value and adapt and and get and grow from. And I also reevaluate what I've thought to be true in the past that, ooh, sometimes you shine a different light from a different area and it's like, oh, that doesn't look so right anymore. And, and let me reevaluate. So your reevaluation of opinions and held beliefs, in a way you kind of shove things around and make space for yourself to figure stuff out all the time. I have to. Yeah. Otherwise I'd assume that I have everything right and not learn and grow. Well, the eight in me really responds well to that <laughs> part. <laughs> like, isn't that the way everybody is? I don't think everybody's like that. Even the core things that I think are unshakable and I I know that I'm not going to walk away from lightly. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to not question those areas. So you want to continually question most of your held beliefs regardless of the outcome or... Okay, do I have enough faith that my held beliefs will withstand questioning? If they don't, then should they be my held beliefs? Totally. I mean, if if I believe this, it should withhold questioning and reevaluation. And it should stand up. So ultimately, If it doesn't stand up, then I should believe something else. And you're okay with being wrong. Well, yeah. I model that every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've learned I'm... to become okay with being wrong. <laughs> I make mistakes every day. And some of them are quite flamboyant and obvious to the world. And it's just me on a growing process. Mm-hmm. I can't hide it. What I'm hearing is a lack of shame for being an ever-changing person. Oh, to be able to say there was a lack of shame. I would love to say it that definitively. There is always some shame that I fight that I know I'm not supposed to have. But there is a realization the more I live and the more I make mistakes that it is just part of being human. And if I can laugh and if I can grow and if I can, if others can grow from my mistakes, then there's value in that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, so it's not necessarily a lack of shame. Sorry if I interrupted. Oh, no, you're good. It's not necessarily a lack of shame, but it's a comfort with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm getting more comfortable being vulnerable and being real and it being okay. Even if if it's silly, if it's messed up, if I embarrass myself, it is what it is and I just go on. Yeah. I'm a dweller on mistakes. Like, yeah. I like to, my, I'm not just my own worst critic, I'm my own worst like executioner (laughs) or tormentor. (laughs) Do you replay conversations in your brain? Oh, geez. All the time. And what's worse is it's not just recent conversations. I will recriminate myself from kindergarten because I don't forget. That's rough. It is hard. But like you said, I'm learning to become okay and comfortable with the fact that I've made mistakes my whole life. This sounds stupid, but it's like I've made mistakes my whole life. It's just a fact. Yeah. I could live in the shame of kindergarten or I could just realize that there's lessons 
there's a reason why I remembered those things so that I can remember them now and grow from them. So it's... And I think for me, having a, being a parent, having a kid has helped me mm-hmm. because I look at it now much more like I'm just modeling for her how to live through making mistakes. Yeah. Because she's going to make mistakes. She is human. I am human. How do we make mistakes well? Because it's going to happen. Yeah. And so how can I do this in a way that relieves her anxiety and stress over living in the world and having to perform? How can I make it easier for her? Well, I'll just I'll just make mistakes out loud and clear and so I live through it. She can see that everything that she does, she can live through. Yeah. My kid doesn't like to make mistakes. Like it's hard. It's hard. And I think that he was given a former know-it-all mom <laughs> so that I could help him through that, you know? It's like, well, I made mistakes, and this is how I dealt with it then, and it didn't serve me very well. I probably admitted more to my son about my mistakes growing up than I have ever admitted to anyone else in my life because all of it was, like, supposed... It was, like, a secret. Like, I made a mistake. I can't tell anyone. I think you just hit on something that I have for years thought was very powerful and that is the act of confession and we give our mistakes so much power by hiding them Mm -hmm. and the act of sharing our mistakes removes their power over our lives and our emotions Mm -hmm. and their control of us and allows us to use our mistakes to help and to grow and to benefit others and we don't want to be real about our mistakes and we want to hide those things about us because we're embarrassed why not share and be real and and remove that internal power? Yeah, because all it does is like lock you up for doing something fun. It limits your ability to take risks because you're afraid. It takes away all your space. Yeah, it does. It's a space eater. Yeah. I just wanted to hit on the fact that I learned about making space for others by going through the fitness training that I did about the same time I started doing karate. And I can't think about that time in my life without combining the two together. Refit was a huge influence on my ability to make space for myself and my ability to make space for others. Hmm. Um, How so? Well, we go through the training and you realize that there are all these people who just like us want to hide our mistakes. And being in a group together where you do kind of uniform movements and things like that is really, really scary for some people because everybody wants to just do it right, you know. They came in and it's, it, I met two of the founders, Catherine and Angela, and Catherine comes out and she's just like, she can dance like nobody's business and totally nail the choreography, but then she'd do something funny and off, not off the beat, but she'd just go a little crazy and do whatever she wanted. And I was just like, I'd never be comfortable enough to do that. But she is, and that's that's that was like impressive to me. And her friend and co-founder was like, oh, look at Catherine, she's so cute doing her thing. And it was just like, oh, oh, she's acknowledging that she's off script, right? And she's loving her for it. And that like really, their relationship and how, cause like I'd taken the classes before and it was fun and simple and easy and loving to you know I loved every minute of it but seeing how they taught and learning how people teach and how they encourage people to do spontaneous solos even if it's technically a mistake created room for these people to risk and just like 
be themselves and to for a participant to become the teacher to come up on stage and dance with them was really a freeing experience like take a risk just do it I'm not I still don't wouldn't consider myself a dancer but I do really love to dance it's a freedom in itself like the dance floor is the ultimate place where you can make space everybody fits even if it's only five feet square right everybody can fit because the more people there are the less you can see (laughs) (laughs) and the less good you have to be to be included in this it's just like they talk about creating space at the table Mm -hmm. where everybody comes in to refit and they're welcome yeah. regardless of religion or not religion, regardless of if you like the music or you, that's not your real jam, there's something there for everybody. Ability levels. People who, children and grandmas can do refit together. It's not age-defined class. It's yeah. not a movement ability-defined class. It's both an entry point and something to aspire to. That's awesome. It is a really great Thing. and I just have loved it and I've loved being an instructor and I love the people and I just can't wait to be this is the part of pandemic that's really hard for me is to not be with my groups of people I am not an introvert <laughs> and this forced introversion has like driven me a little bit batty as I'll admit when we've had small classes together in the dojo I've been like <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, because like I truly won't be this is the best until we're like all the spots are filled on the dojo floor. Well, I'll admit that even in my lack of alone time, I miss the conversations and the having the different opinions to balance my opinions with. Yeah, I miss that. I think that's why we've kind of like latched on to each <laughs> other. It's like... You don't mind sitting in the car in the parking lot of the Starbucks? This is how we do things, people. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just... So... It's been great. It's a... Because our friendship, y'all, is not old. It's brand new. But it feels comfortable like we've been friends for a yeah. really long time. Well, you are really good at making space for people. I think oh. you're really good at making space for people. And it becomes like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And because we both make space then there's this really comfortable place in the middle where we overlap that feels really good. Yeah, I think we were talking about that the other day, how you can make space for someone in your life and they're just included in your circle. And that's fine and great and a lovely relationship. But when you meet someone who has similar abilities to include others into your relationship as well that that does create an area of union and synthesis that makes that Venn diagram work so we're not just included in each other's circles we overlap yeah overlapped space that makes it a really nice friendship I think so too I have a quote that I thought someone mentioned it the other day to me and I thought that is the perfect quote to end this podcast with in essentials unity in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And it's been attributed to many people over the years. It sounds like a Mother Teresa thing. Well, it was originally attributed to Augustine, mm. but I think it was another German philosopher, and I'm not going to try to butcher his name here. Oh, we can put it in the show notes. We could. <laughs> Thank you for listening and joining us today, and you can find us on Spotify. This is Making Space.